Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. Our gospel passage for this week is Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called to the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Here ends our gospel lesson. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. Martin Luther, the guy our denomination is named after, very famously believed that God desired his suffering. From the time he was young, his father wanted him to be a lawyer. But Luther had a near-death experience while traveling in a lightning storm, which served as a sort of spiritual awakening for him, leading him deeper into the Christian faith. From that point onward, he committed himself deeply, wholly, and faithfully to the church and everything it taught. The church of his day, though, taught that God demanded that we suffer for our sins and we could gain no entrance into the heavenly realm without being punished first. So, Luther listened and followed church teachings. He would fast much longer and more regularly than his peers in the priesthood. He fasted so intensely, in fact, that he was left with major intestinal problems, which he wrote and published about later in life. I mean, he wrote a lot about his bowel movements for a theologian. I would understand if he was a medical doctor, but a church doctor? Yet, he felt the pangs of the Roman Catholic Church's toxic theology rocking his insides until the day of his death in 1546. He would pray into the wee hours of the night in order to make himself right with God. And then he would pray some more because he never felt he did well enough. He would confess an insane amount of time in the confessional booth, feel he was finished, and then turn around and confess some more because he knew that he had just not done well enough at it the first time. His body, soul, and mind were exhausted, worn, stressed, 
and beaten down by the weight of the church's teaching about what makes one righteous in God's eyes. There are many reasons the Roman Catholic Church, and specifically the Pope, ended up endorsing the toxic theological interpretations that led Luther to such extremes, and some of them were inspired by texts like our gospel passage for this week. Jesus said, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. The teaching is clear, right? The life of discipleship demands our all, and if we do not give our all, as in destroying our bodies by fasting an unhealthy amount, for instance, then we are not truly Christ's disciples. Easy peasy, fresh and squeezy, as they say at my children's daycare. If your pursuit of discipleship is painful and feels like suffering, you are on the right path, right? But if you are comfortable, watch out. Or rather, this is what the Catholic Church taught in the lead-up to the Reformation, but with significant problems to their interpretations. First, and most importantly, we should keep in mind that the Gospel of Mark was written down 30 to 40 years after Jesus had died. In those intervening decades, persecution against the apostles had already begun in earnest and the stakes had risen significantly for those who continued to believe that Jesus truly was the Messiah who had risen from the dead. So, when Jesus reassures his followers in Mark that those who suffer for his sake are saving their life in the process, this is a great comfort to Christians who were already suffering for their faith. They did not need to go out and seek persecution for themselves, harm themselves by starving their bodies into the infirmary, or wear themselves out by praying longer than their minds and souls could reasonably bear. No. Jesus was reassuring people who were already being targeted and harmed for their faith, that God was still on their side, and God was seeking to redeem them from the adversity they faced. The Church of Luther's time on the other hand, caused the people's suffering instead of preaching freedom and release from it. The interpretive distinctions here start out as subtle differences, but they have major complications down the road. God does not want us to be suicidal or self-harming or anything like that, as the Roman Catholic leaders of Luther's day falsely taught. Instead, Jesus taught that if we do find ourselves targeted by the world, God will still be with us and redeem us from any hardship we face on account of our faith. Another major problem of the toxic theology that the pre-Reformation church was teaching was that God needed Luther's sacrifice in order to save him. In Lutheran jargon, we call this works righteousness, the belief that we need to do certain things in order to be in God's good graces. Or, in other words, in order for God to save us. This took on extreme dimensions 
in his lifetime, with the church charging people money if they wanted to save their souls, forcing people on pilgrimages to enter eternal life, and teaching people that if they were not good enough, then God could not and would not save them. These false teachings are not only harmful to the believer, they take away from the power of God. God does not need our help in order to save us. God is not looking for us to be good enough, smart enough, gracious enough, forgiving enough, or anything like that in order to be good to us. To teach otherwise is a heresy against God's infinitely gracious and loving nature. God has always been and will always be better than us. So, if it makes sense to you that God would expect us to do certain things before we can be saved, requiring us to jump through hoops and all that, just remember that God's ways are higher than your ways. God's thoughts on the matter are absolutely higher than your thoughts. Instead, God's promise to us is that when suffering is thrust upon us, as it inevitably will be at one time or another in our lives, God is there with us. God does not desire for us to harm ourselves, seek out our own persecution by being jerks to everyone around us, or try to incite violence in the name of God. Instead, in this passage, Jesus assumes that suffering is a given, and that we should not run, hide, or lie our way out of the challenges of our life, but instead face them with the hope of the resurrection. To his followers who were being actively persecuted and even killed, he promised, When you lose your life for my sake, you will be saved. To those who shed tears over the losses in their lives due to everything they endured, he promised, You will be comforted. To those who suffered in any way, and especially to those who suffered for their faith, he promised, your suffering will be redeemed. This is the way of God, to comfort the afflicted and bind up the brokenhearted. And God's way is good. Christ does indeed desire for us to take up our cross and follow him. This does not mean that we need to choose our own suffering in order to join our Lord in paradise. God died so that we don't have to anymore. Christ suffered so that we will not be alone in our suffering. Instead, the whole business of taking up our cross is that we join in God's suffering that is already thrust upon us by a world that rejects the faith and not seek out our own suffering for our own sense of righteousness. Unlike what Martin Luther endured before realizing that God, speaking through Scripture, seeks to comfort us, not cause us harm, we should not kill ourselves for the glory of the Lord. Instead, our moments of suffering, lament, and loss should be some of the greatest in our lives. Because it is in these times when we know what it is to call from the cross. Jesus, 
Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And it is on that cross at Jesus' side that we can be reassured with those sweet words from our Savior. Today, you will be with me in paradise. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown, go to www.revsethnelson.com. If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the Offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.